Hi, you're about to watch or listen an edit of the upcoming Hair Dudes Conversations podcast, episode 11. And in this episode, we're going to talk about international football has it lost its spark, golf for the PGA right to suspend players, movie review, Top Gun, gig review, Duran Duran, book review by Paul with a couple of amazing books, one inspired by Van Morrison, the other written by Jarvis Cocker. And we'll also discuss America's obsession with guns. Will the latest shootings change anything? Or is it time for America to finally change the constitution? So sit back, enjoy some time with the hair dudes. International football. Is it lo- has it lost its appeal? Because, or is it just the fact that I'm an Irish man in Ireland at crap? You know, I mean, if, we, if, we, if we'd have qualified for the World Cup, would I be singing a different hymn? I think leaving Stephen Kenny doing what he's doing, I think he might get it right. I mean, I think uh, Leeds have learned their lesson and, and they, we, we will not be in the bottom six next season. We definitely will not. They, they, they realise just how delicate, delicately balanced um, uh, a premiership survival is. And I think next, next season, Leeds will finish in the top 12, 13 teams. I, I, I guarantee you that. The football's not enjoyable anymore. You know, they're falling on the ground. And me and Everton in particular is guilty of that between Richardson and Gordon. I mean, I would never, ever call myself an England national team supporter because that's something that would be worthy of a punishment beating in Northern Ireland. And, and... <laughs> <laughs> he listened on TalkSport and you were talking about the revenge. England were looking forward to this revenge against Italy. And I kind of went, you know, I'll tune in on that. I'll watch that game. And I watched the second half and I nearly fell asleep it was it was a shocker and I'm kind of going where's the big revenge is this what you're going to be the, the team of underachievers I must admit I didn't watch it because it's just one of you know it's one of those things I tend to not bother with these ones um because there's not really anything in it it's not really worth it it's either you know 25 players on 25 players off let's let's try some new things out and um you know, the, the, the main thing for me, you know, coming from England, is, you know, we've got an exciting team. We've got some really good young players coming through. Doing a good job of the FNFA's perspective because, like, you know, he's doing exactly what they want him to do. If we scratch the surface, most of us would probably say, yeah, I think anyway, you know, if, if it can't be any of the Irish teams, um, begrudgingly, we would like to see England do well. I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong to interfere with Right, to play golf. What, what do you what do you exactly mean you think it's wrong i think uh i think it's i think why he interfered in the first place if guys want to but, play but, golf but who's interfered with them the pga well, well, the, the PGA, haven't interfered with them the pga have said to them you're more than welcome to go and sign up with this other um hmm. um uh, tournament but but you won't be playing in ours. You know, I think everybody's got this wrong. I, Jay Monaghan was very clear about it. He's the commissioner of the PGA. He came out uh, uh, in, a, in, a, in a, not so much of a statement, but he came out last night at the Canadian Open and basically said, it's as simple as this. Anybody is more than welcome to go and play in whatever tour they want. But if you play in this tour, you won't be playing in ours. It's as simple as that. And the people who are actually gone off to play for the Saudis, uh, it is for money. Uh, make no doubt about it. Um, Westwood hasn't won a major. He's coming to the end of his career. 
basically, Polder hasn't won a major. He's coming to the end of his career. I would say GMAC is in trouble with his bars and restaurants because they've been closed for a year and a half and he hasn't won a tournament recently. So I'd say he's in money difficulties. Somebody who watches golf every single week. The, the young guys that are coming through, it's a, bit, it's a bit like Rory. Rory has won 21 tournaments, but Rory had a five-year period where there was no Marikawa, there was no Spieth, there was no Justin Thomas. He had five years to win everything. No, he didn't, and he didn't win the Masters. In fact, he blew up in, in the back nine of, of the Masters where he basically had a very, very big lead. So the other side to it is, is there's now this young generation who are all in their early and mid-20s. All these guys who have moved over are all late 30s, 40s, heading for 50. None of the young guys have gone. The younger guys want nothing to do with it. You know, DeChambeau is a bit of a weirdo anyway. I don't particularly like how he plays golf. I don't like anything that he does. I don't like I don't like the people who follow him. I don't like that American beer guzzling, you know, in the hole, in the hole, and it's 635 yards away. I mean, it's just, they are just sad fuckers, actually. <laughs> It was good. It was good. It was good. Um, took the wife, uh, IMAX, we had the reclining seats. One of the things I've said about this particular film is it's not one where you've had to watch the first one. Obviously, most of us may or may not have watched it, but if like your kids were going to go along and see it, they wouldn't have needed to see the first one. So, but there's some really iconic stuff, you know, the music. Just the key bits of music that you hear in the first one are, are played through. So you're taken right back uh, to watching it the first time when it first came out. And, you know, storylines, Tom Cruise, I, mean, I, I don't think Tom Cruise really makes a, doesn't make a bad film. They always seem to be all right. You know, some of them are a bit better than others, but he never really makes any really shit ones. No, he did. He made the one when he pretended to be Irish, remember that? Him and his missus at the time, it was shocking. <laughs> it was far and away, was it? Far That's and away. It. Far and, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I'll, I'll give it what I missed. That was a dud. You'd recommend, recommend that. it. It's, it's for me, um, it was Top Gun mixed with a little bit of a little bit of Star Wars because there's a, there's a thing they've got to do where they've got to fly between the canyon. It just reminded me a little bit of Star Wars, that particular bit. But the, the new bird in this is much better than that Kelly McGillis. She, she's much better looking. Didn't <laughs> like Kelly McGillis. <laughs> Paul went to see the Nick Cave latest movie. So do you want to tell us a bit about that, Paul, and, and your love of Nick Cave, but your opinion of this movie? Well, the last couple of Nick Cave albums, uh, Carnage and Ghostine, are probably... Um, they're probably two of uh, two of his greatest records in the last 25 years. So, uh, I think that Nick Cave has got himself to a point now where he's a bit like Leonard Cohen or one of those great uh, heritage artists like Neil Young and uh, even Dylan. Um, but he is at risk of becoming slightly Bono-esque. Um, I think that the, there's, a, there's a side to him that's coming through now that's a little bit... I mean, I'm not sure what the right word is, but he's becoming a, he's becoming a little bit kind of self-absorbed, maybe even slightly narcissistic. 
this film, um, which I, I, I really went hoping that he, he, would, he would step aside from that and, and expose himself a little bit more. He, he, he's sort of becoming a bit of a self-proclaimed messiah, messiah. And you almost expect him to sort of heal people, um, to give them a blessing or to give them some sort of religious kind of mark that will set them free in the world. And uh, I, I find about halfway through it, I became quite irritated by not just the, the, the style of the film, but also Nick Cave himself, which is kind of unusual because I've been a lifelong fan. Nick Cave is 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 trying to be this godlike character, and these and the fact that he's bringing every every one of his documentaries to the big screen in a way that makes it sound like he's some sort of you know um, you know Billy Graham character is actually starting to make me. Uh, really turn off him and, and I, I came away from it thinking I might need to detox of Nick Cave for a few years so that <laughs> but the book that I want one of the books that I wanted to um, talk about was if any of you were ever interested in coming to Belfast and actually seeing a different side to it a book I recommend is 75 Van Songs by Stuart Bailey and if you're not a Van Morrison fan and you don't have to be, that's fine. But what he's done with this book is fantastic. He has taken 75 songs that he asked a lot of people to nominate, and he went to the absolute source of the songs to find out where Van um, was influenced by his surroundings, the people, the environment. Uh, good pop, bad pop, Jarvis Cocker. Who doesn't like Jarvis? Anybody, if, anybody, if any of you don't like Jarvis Cocker, we can't be friends. It's as simple as that. I actually heard him being interviewed uh, on a drive. I was driving north one early Sunday morning and he was on a Sunday morning show and I listened to his interview and I thought, yeah, definitely need to go out and buy that book. That's yeah. great. This, this is the book that we could all write, but we don't have, the, we don't have a, a, a record company and a publishing house behind us, but we could all write this book because as men, we hoard, we keep everything, we put everything in, in, a, in a loft or a lockup, or a, and eventually, at some stage, our, our children or, or the people who buy our house that we left the shit behind in, they find all the shit that we stored away, and hopefully, it's not a big stash of porn, and they it tells them, something, <laughs> and it tells it tells them something about who we are. But what what he's done is he's gone and dug out all his crap, and he realizes all the inspiration that he was looking for for the last 30 years as a writer and as a musician and as an artist was all in his loft. From the regular punter's view out front, Mark saying it from the privileged background because he hangs around the, <laughs> off the coattails of rock stars and gives them free haircuts so he can get backstage. Uh, uh, I, I felt, and it was Duran Duran, and, and all the, they are a pop band. And, and the one thing I liked about it is they come out, they do what they do, and they do it very well. And they don't pretend to be anything that they're not. They're not. You never hear them getting involved politically about stuff or whatever. They just come out and play good, entertaining music. And they hadn't lost it. Even though they put on a bit of timber here and there. And you know what I mean? John. I, I now look at John Taylor and kind of going, do you know, I always thought, who wouldn't want to look like John Taylor? Because he looks <laughs> wretched, doesn't he? He does. Time, is, time hasn't been good to him. Can, can, can I just interrupt you? I heard a great line today, and it said there are three tailors in Duran Duran, and they're now all called Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know what? I, 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 I've seen him so many times, and you know, I'm a closet Duran fan. I, I was 
bitterly disappointed that they didn't play Careless Memory. Mm. Um, my 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 all time favorite Duran song from their first album, and uh, but they're they're very laid back these days. The show was very laid back. Delighted that they did. They have a covers album, uh, and I'm delighted they did White Lines from it. They also do. Uh, I actually thought they mordered that, Mark. Uh, yeah, really maybe this it was the sound or whatever. But the lyrics, the, you need to hear the lyrics of that song properly to really enjoy the song. And I was just going, what, what is that? The play? And then I went, holy jays, it's White Lines. What? But White Lines is definitely uh, one of the crackers uh, on that particular one. Because it's it's much heavier on the recording than it was last night. You know, you had, you had Andy Taylor ripping it on, on the guitar. And he always wanted to be in a metal band anyway. He never wanted to be in a pop band. They look like a bunch of hairdressers, actually. Don't feel like even you know, and they've held on to their hair, kind of bit of swagger about them, even though they are like Simon about sixty three now. Funny, I just I was observing, as you say, the young girls watching last night are there, and you're kind of loads of going. He doesn't look as well as he used to. He doesn't look. I'm kind of going. Want to look in the mirror, love? <laughs> like as if they haven't aged at all. Like they're looking and going. I was expecting them to look better. Going to go. Well, you have to look at yourself. We've all got older. You know what I mean? Like so, it's not yeah. time to stand still for them, and they just bring them back onto the stage. They're old guys, you know. When you have the president of the United States telling people to go forward and protest which in any other country would nearly tell you that you need to listen. But yeah, he's powerless. The gun lobby is huge in America. I mean, the NRA are massive. Uh, the amount of money they, they give to uh, pol political movements, political individuals, um, uh, you know, campaigners on, on Capitol Hill to, to get things pushed through. You know, it's in the Constitution. It's it's it, the constitution would have to be changed. Thanks, yeah. The right to bear arms is in the constitution. No, I mean I haven't been to Texas. Suzanne has been to Texas, but she says, you know, they walk around with their sidearms. Not a problem. I do you know what if I was living in America, I'd be tooled up. Would you? Uh, uh, absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. One of the NRA supporters, and he, he was saying that, uh, yeah, it is it, it it is shocking that these people have died but that's just like a normal weekend in Chicago and I kind of went Jesus how could you describe the killing of innocent children in a primary school as a normal weekend in Chicago you can go and buy a gun or whatever age but you can't drink until you're 21 it's just it's well, just mad. 18, but you can't have a beer yeah it's just, it's just mad so to the point but I think it's a mad place um, probably like Mark I think if I was there I'd probably be told up as well probably have something um I think, and I think that's the, the challenge with it is it's very hard to go uh, against the norm if somebody else is carrying for you to go, you know what, I'm not going to do it. it it's, I don't know. I'll struggle not to carry a gun. I, I, must, uh, I must say, from the perspective of someone <laughs> who has lived in the shadow of guns for, for quite a long period of my life, um, I, I'm disappointed to hear that anybody would consider carrying a gun. Um, and I certainly, if I lived in the States, and I love America, and I, I've been there so many times. I've been in casinos in Las Vegas where I've seen people with holsters and guns in, the, in there and yeah. openly showing them. I've, I've, been, I've been in various parts of America where guns are very much part of the culture, part of the machismo in them. And yes, 
It is part of the constitution. Greg and I had this conversation and the NRA are, are, are hugely responsible for funding, not just Republicans, which people seem to think is the, is the, is the, is the main bene beneficiary of their funding, but also quite, Democrats. quite significant Democrats as well. But I think the sad thing for me, um, um, that I when I look at when I look at um, the, the the shootings that um, have happened over the last couple of weeks, uh, it, there is now a spiraling out of control will of 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 showmanship and one-upmanship that's happening with these shootings. Because if you lift a gun, the threat of a gun itself is not going to stop one from shooting you. It's shooting them first. And is that what the world we live in? But the other side to it is, is you know, uh, you know, I, I think they just go round in circles. They're going to try and bring in acts to basically have licenses, basically, you know, background checks and all the rest. It's a waste of time until it's actually removed from the constitution. Mm. Until it is actually taken from the constitution and actually removed, they will never be able to deal with this. On that note, I think. <laughs> can I can I say something? Yeah, go There was a word used there, and I think you should give a prize for it. From, from, uh, Paul, fuckery. <laughs> I thought that was a great word. He doesn't give a fuckery. <laughs> heavily, heavily influenced by the great Amy Winehouse. So take care of yourselves, and I'll see you all again in two weeks. Take care. Bye. Yeah. Good night. Oh, you've been watching an edit for our upcoming podcast of the Hair Dudes Conversations episode 11. So if you've got this far, we must be doing something right. So please don't forget, subscribe to our channels, like our social media, and please share and give us a five-star review and a comment. It means a lot to us. And we'll see you all again soon. Take care.